Well, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn with me uh, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, we'll read it in its entirety. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, Dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule. And nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaded, before the hills I was brought forth, before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, When he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. Now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. 
watching daily at my gates, watching beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. And all who hate me love death. This is God's Word. I think if there is one thing that we've noticed in studying, uh, making our way through the book of Proverbs here in 22, it is this, it is that wisdom is indispensable for life here on earth. Of course, the good news that we find here in the book of Proverbs is that this type of indispensable wisdom is not hidden in some dark corner, available only to the dusty academic the aged philosopher, or even to the righteous. As we see here in this passage and in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, wisdom offers herself to all. And in this particular passage, wisdom is herself personified. And she gives herself freely and fully to whosoever will heed the call. And yet, there's something strange at work here. Where wisdom personified speaks in such a way that draws our attention to who God is Himself. In wisdom's call, we are given a glimpse not simply of the personification of wisdom, but it directs our eyes and attention heavenward to the person who is wisdom Himself. There's four things I'd like us to consider this evening. First, I'd like to consider the matter of wisdom's call. You'll see that here in the first 11 verses. Then wisdom's reward in verses 12 to 21. Wisdom's work in verses 22 to 31. And then finally, wisdom's blessing in verses 32 to 36. So wisdom's call her reward, her work, and her blessing. The first thing that we notice here in these first 11 verses is that this call that wisdom gets is open to all. How different this is from the semi-gnostic and esoteric philosophies that pervade so many cultures where true wisdom is bound up with the elites with those in control. Even contrary to Dame Folly that we had seen in last week's passage where you see the adulteress approaching individuals, uh, one individual at a time in the streets. Here we see Lady Wisdom in the streets as well. And yet she is calling out to everyone without distinction. In fact, the, the people she addresses are not the wise, but the fools to the simple and to the naive. Here, here is an accessible wisdom. Wisdom is not hidden from their sight. Wisdom's location is, in fact, inescapable. It reminds us in many ways of Psalm 19, just as the heavens proclaim the glory of God throughout the earth where there is no place where that speech is not heard, so we find here in Proverbs 8 that there is no place where the call of wisdom is not heard. Here she's described as, uh, as, as shouting out. It, it, the Hebrew word there is, is shrilling. 
This is a loud call. This is not like a you know, light tap on the microphone saying, hey, excuse me, please, please listen up. This is a loud call. And wisdom is calling out to everyone who will hear her in the streets, on top of the heights and along the highway, between the paths and at the gates, at the mouth of the city and at every doorway. She shouts, she does not whisper, so that the host of mankind, however foolish they might be, are left without excuse. Wisdom's audience is not reserved to one particular fraction of a population. Verse 4, you see, she calls out to all men. Not only to the wise, but to all that they might embrace her freely, both the ignorant and the idiot alike. This isn't just a call that happens two or three times a day. Here in verses 4 and 5, it's described as a continual call, a non-stop shouting day after day, not just among one generation, but from generation to generation. She shouts to men and to the children of men. This idea is that it is perpetual. It is ongoing. There is no interruption of her speech as she cries out for the ignorant and the wayward to heed her voice. Contrary to the pagan deities of old, uh, uh, you even, in reading uh, Shakespeare's uh, Midnight Summer's Dream, you have these little sprites and these fairies who are very deceptive, even if playful, but they're not trustworthy. How different wisdom is here. Everything she says is pure and true. She speaks of noble things. She speaks of right things. In fact, wisdom says that wickedness is an abomination to her lips. There is no shadow of turning with wisdom's speech. Her words are free of deceit and perversion. Therefore, she is fully trustworthy. And so her call is not only trustworthy, but profitable, where there is great reward. And yet the reward that she offers is not material wealth. At least it doesn't end materially. Here she says her wealth is better than silver. It is better than the finest gold and jewels on the face of the earth. In fact, it is incomparably better. We have to ask ourselves, what is the reward? What is it that she is offering? Wisdom begins to speak of the nature of that reward in verses 12 to 21. Three main things of which she speaks. Righteousness, rule, and riches. Here, wisdom's words, wisdom takes on this personified character. Verse 12 and verse 14. I am wisdom. I am understanding. And we think of God's attributes, His perfections of His holiness, righteousness, justice, goodness, and truth. Which one of God's perfections is ever personified in Scripture in such a way as this? There's this this emphasis given here under divine inspiration of the call of wisdom. Wisdom who offers these rich rewards particularly of righteousness, you see here in verses 12 to 13, she is the one who dispenses knowledge that's given through the fear of the Lord. 
Again, it brings us right back to the very beginning of this book. Where is wisdom to be found? It's not found in calculus textbooks or trigonometry or books on engineering and science. Not even books of philosophy. True wisdom is found not in your SAT scores or your LSATs or GRE grades. True wisdom is found in the fear of Yahweh. And here we find a further description of what that fear looks like in terms of what it is not. You see that here in verse 13. There's this kind of bookendedness to the nature of the fear of the Lord in terms of the hatred of evil. You notice at both the beginning and end of verse 13, wisdom personified says, I, I hate this. These things that run, run contrary to the fear of Yahweh, of pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverse tongue. In other words, wisdom's reward is light for the moral path. Uh, uh, it, 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 it sets you on the proper path in terms of communion and fellowship with God. How to conduct oneself in this world with a wisdom that really surpasses the wise men of this world. As Lady Wisdom is standing in the streets, she is not the only one beckoning to passers-by. There are so many competing voices claiming to be wise in their own eyes in this day, aren't there? And yet, Lady Wisdom surpasses them all. And she gives herself freely to whoever would heed her trustworthy call. She not only provides and offers the path to righteousness, but also uh, the, 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 the path to, to proper and just rule. Here she offers herself to those in authority. She says, it is by me that kings reign. Wisdom uh, is the one, the source, the dispenser of power. You see that at the end of verse 14. Built off this fear of the Lord, once you learn what it means to fear the Lord, then you will know what it means to rule in justice. It is wisdom that guides earthly rulers, verse 15, in ruling in righteousness and holiness. It is wisdom that fortifies national stability even. There are what we might say common grace benefits to heeding wisdom's call. Wisdom adjudicates rightly, verse 16. She trains what true wisdom and rule and service looks like and grants with that rule riches. You see that in verses 17-21. to Wisdom will not turn anyone away. Whoever will may come as she loves all who love her. Wisdom promises success. Whoever will seek her diligently are sure to find her. Wisdom promises wealth, and yet we return to that issue that what she is offering is something better than food or gold. What then? What do we see here in verse 21? Wisdom's promise of life. She says, verse 21, to endow those who love me with wealth. Another, other translations have it as something like property. The Hebrew word is more broad than that. It's the word yesh. It simply means whatever is. Wisdom endows us with whatever it is that is needed. Because as it turns out, wisdom is the instrument through which all that is, is. Wisdom is the instrument through which all that has come into being has come into being. And here is where things get really 
interesting. I don't know what other word to say it. As wisdom now begins to describe herself as the architect of creation. Wisdom has been tested, tried, and true. Not only among men, but by God Himself. Here, wisdom redirects our gaze from the earthly plane to consider the heavenly sphere that we might consider her accomplishments, not simply in man's works, but as, can I say the confident? Confidant of God? If, if we could put it like that, here is where the language gets really... You're almost afraid to say it if this wasn't in Scripture worded the way it is. Wisdom is almost deified, equated with God. There's discomforting language that she is the architect of creation. Creation Again, what other divine attribute has been personified like this attribute? There is, as it were, an almost divinization of wisdom in this speech. To be honest with you, if I heard a preacher speak about wisdom the way Solomon speaks about wisdom in Proverbs 8, I would be tempted to bring that man up on charges. And yet, this is, this is inspired Scripture. If this weren't inspired Scripture, you'd be tempted to accuse the rhetoric here as almost being pagan. You see here in verses 22 to 24, it says, I've, I've been possessed by Yahweh. Wisdom generated from eternity past, brought forth or born from eternity, verse 24, eternally begotten, generated before all time. In verses 25 and 26, wisdom is said to predate creation before the mountains, before the hills and the earth, and before all these wide open spaces. Before the very substance from which man came, the dust of the earth, there wisdom stood. Verse 27, before all of these things, wisdom says, I was there. Though deified as it were, put a little asterisk by there, as it were, wisdom is also seen as being distinct from the deity. Verses 27 to 31, wisdom is godlike, begotten of God from eternity, yet also distinct from him in reality. Verse 30, she says, I was beside him as a master craftsman, an artisan, or an architect. In fact, we see a certain playfulness to wisdom's relationship to the Lord. Verse 30, always rejoicing before him. The word there connotates something like playing, like, like playfulness, like children playing in the streets. Wisdom working beside Yahweh as his counselor, yes, but also playing before him daily as the object of a father's delight. Playing, as it were, in the inhabited world as a child in a, sandbo- in a sandbox at the playground. As wisdom delights not merely in the Lord, but also in the sons of Adam. There's a real sweetness to this imagery. There's a real joy that is to be found here in wisdom's conduct and relationship with the Lord in open light. Such is the character of the wisdom of the Lord. We'll return to contemplating some of these things in a few minutes, but we continue making our way to verses 32 and following with wisdom's blessing. And I think the point that Solomon is getting at in part is this. 
If wisdom himself heeded wisdom as his counselor, ought not the fool? The Lord, listen to me, wisdom says. Should not the simpleton? Wisdom has not steered the Lord clear. Has not misdirected the Lord. Again, that's not to say that the Lord is bereft of wisdom. Uh, Solomon here is using exalted language, just poetic language being here. So do not think that, that somehow the Lord is devoid of wisdom. But here in, in real poetic format, Solomon is highlighting the nature of this one facet of the Lord's own perfection. And this particular perfection and attribute as it calls out day and night to the children of man. Wisdom cries out, come to me whosoever will. I will not cast you aside. I will not hide from you. Wisdom is no respecter of persons. Wisdom will not say, sorry, you don't have enough money. You know, for $29.95, four simple installments, you can have true wisdom. Just call this number. Wisdom doesn't do that. Wisdom gives herself freely to anyone who would heed her voice. To all who do come, an everlasting treasure is promised a great reward of life and of grace, favor from the Lord, leading to eternal life. And in fact, wisdom makes this clincher of a closing statement. She says that all who refuse her voice, in fact, love death. If you hate wisdom, it it says something of the nature of your own heart. It's an act of suicide. Whoever sins against me does violence. Whoever hates me loves death. It's utter folly that leads to death for all who refuse to heed wisdom's call and turn from their wicked ways. As we kind of step back and consider what it is that wisdom is saying and who this wisdom personified is, we ask, what sort of wisdom is this? It's divine wisdom. Wisdom personified. Using language of being begotten from eternity, being beside God and present at creation. Wisdom possessed by God from the foundation of the world. Wisdom that proclaims for all to come and find everlasting life. Here's a passage so potent that the early church saw Proverbs as depicting for us the person of the Son. I think there are ways in which we can receive that and ways in which we go maybe not quite as much. Wisdom is personified here as a woman as a lady, and yet in the inspiration of Scripture, wisdom in her personification here in Proverbs 8 is appropriating categories that I think help us to understand the Son's own relationship to the Father. And here we begin to have a a poetic insight to the fullness of who God is as He subsists within Himself. As one recent book in discussing the attributes of God puts it, all that is in God is God. Not that wisdom is a distinct person, but yet we begin to see the fullness of life that is found in the maker of heaven and earth. 
Here's a passage that is so potent that wisdom personified directs our eyes to the eyes of the person of wisdom. Him who is the source of wisdom itself. Think of the ways in which Scripture uses and appropriates some of this imagery here to help us understand the person and work of Christ. Even in the work of creation that Christ, who though with God in the beginning, is seen as being distinct from the Father, yet is likewise attested to be God Himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Christ, the Word, the Logos, the reason of God, through whom the worlds were not only made, but are still presently governed and upheld. Christ, the wisdom of God, who in whom all things are held together, Colossians 1.17. Or as Paul puts it in the, his first letter to Corinth, the Christ who has become to us not only our righteousness and sanctification, but He is Himself wisdom from God. We think of how this helps us to consider Christ and the work of redemption. As James himself says, if anyone asks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all things generously and without reproach. Or if Christ, in His own earthly ministry, who, who speaks of the pursuit of His kingdom in those terms that echo Solomon's own call to pursue wisdom. Or Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as, as a treasure in a field that is to be pursued diligently. That he who asks and seeks will indeed find and be answered. Or Christ who tells us to seek diligently, though we might be given the Spirit, echoing similar language of the diligent pursuit of wisdom herself. Or of Christ who says, whosoever will may come, speaking of repentance and faith, where sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors turn from folly. And the wise men of the age stand by and mock and scorn. And what is it that Jesus says? Yet wisdom is justified in the midst of her children. Might Proverbs 8 help us to understand some of the very things of which Jesus speaks in such high and lofty ways for us to understand that Jesus Himself is the source of all wisdom and true wisdom. And just as Lady Wisdom calls out to the streets for men to turn from their folly, so in the proclamation of the Gospel, it goes out all, urging people to turn from their sin and to turn to Christ who will not turn them away. Christ who is no respecter of persons. See, the good news we have is that this gospel is not hidden. This true source of wisdom, this wisdom that stumps the sages of this age, it is the wisdom and folly of the cross, as Paul puts it to the church of Corinth, as Christ offers Himself to all to turn from folly to faith, to simply trust Him in His Word because He cannot lie or deceive, and in simple trust and childlike faith, you will surely live. I don't think that Lady Wisdom here is, can be exactly mapped on to the second person of the Trinity. And yet at the same time, I don't think we should discard the fact that I think it's, it's nudging us to think in categories that set the stage that we might understand who the Son is and the very life that He gives as Him who was begotten 
of the Father from eternity past. Him who always was. Him who was and is the agent of creation and providence who upholds all things by the word of His power and beckons to whosoever will to turn to Him that they might find life and deliverance from death. Where is wisdom to be found? It is found in Him who is wisdom incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we do pray as we consider the, the, the weighty things here um, that are above all of our pay grades. Uh, we stop and consider the depth and the riches of the wisdom that is found in our great and mighty God. We pray that You would turn our sights to our Savior who is been made for us wisdom from on high. And we pray that we would trust in Christ, that we might turn from our sin and live. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.